So US firms have reported better than expected earnings so far, and numbers at the end of the week showed how much the US consumer is still spending, and yet shares are down. The S&P in particular is in correction territory. We'll look at why that is. And what about Aussie spending? We get retail numbers today with the next RBA meeting a week away. And speaking of central banks, the FOMC this week. It's a busy week. It's Monday, the 30th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And tomorrow is Charity Trading Day with NAB Trade. So NAB donates all the brokerage fees to the Good Shepherd Australia New Zealand uh, to build better affordable housing for women. NAB is a 20-year partnership with Good Shepherd. So we are working towards ending homelessness in Australia. So trade with NAB Trade tomorrow, and you'll be doing your bit to help out. You can find more at nabtrade.com.au forward slash charity day that's on the internet of course you've heard of that now meanwhile what's been going on in the world well the s&p was down another half percent on friday since october the 16th it's fallen six percent since the end of july it has lost more than 10 percent the nasdaq did manage to climb 0.4 percent on friday that's been helped by meta uh, which was up 2.9 percent there's no big tech to help out in europe though the FTSE and the Eurostox 50 were both down 0.9 percent so there's another correction there as well actually since july the 31st the Eurostox 50 is down more than 10 percent and small moves down in bond yields on friday more in the uk and italy than in the united states treasury yields just down one basis point a few basis points in uh, much of europe and oil higher uh, you might expect as the tension in the Middle East ratchets us up a notch or two but of course a lot of that has happened since Friday on Friday Brent was up 2.9% well over 90 a barrel now WTI is up 2.8% and the US dollar didn't move much on Friday on the DXY it lost half a percent on the yen and gained 0.4% on the Swiss franc the Aussie dollar managed to climb 0.2% on Friday just short of 63.5 US cents that is up about 0.8% over the week last week Rodrigo Catrill joins me today from NAB in Sydney. Uh, it's getting hard to fathom the economy right now, isn't it? I mean, if you look in the US, equities down. Um, geopolitical uncertainty might not, not be helping here. We've got higher interest rates, obviously. We've got forward projections from companies that are not so great, even though earnings so far have been pretty strong, better than expected, in fact. Uh, and we saw on Friday numbers to support the rise in GDP earlier in the week in that personal income was up 0.3% month-on-month in uh, September. Real consumption is up 0.4%. So Americans still spending, uh, companies still reporting good earnings, but the share price tanking. <laughs> uh, yeah, morning, Phil. And th- there's a few undercurrents going on. Of course, uh, you, you mentioned the, the Middle East, and um, um, we should mention that part of the sort of negativity on Friday was also that increase in oil prices over 2%. Gold traded above 2000 reflecting those concerns coming from the Middle East and, and news over the weekend um, are not getting better. You know, we, we now have confirmation that Israel has embarked on a on an invasion in, into Gaza, uh, and that certainly is going to heighten concerns of uh, the risk that that these these tensions could become um, a, a regional uh, issue. Um, and, and certainly, you know, the moving oil prices that we saw on Friday is it, suggests that maybe more of the same should be expected at the start of the week. So, and we know it's going is, to be with us for a long time as well. A yes. long one. I mean, uh, the ground movement is only the beginning of the next phase of the war. Is uh, basically. Uh, what was said on on uh, over the weekend. So, uh, as you say, yeah, real risk of escalation. Yes. Uh, so, so that's certainly one issue affecting the equity market. The other one, as you said, is this issue around 
the corporate earnings that has been um, I, the, the key has been around that that guidance and and if anything mm. uh, this week we're going to get more of those companies that kind of tend to give us a bit of a taste of how the consumer is performing you know we have even McDonald's reporting um, so so that will be important as well because of 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 getting that sense uh, of how the consumer will be or is looking ahead. And, and as you mentioned, when you give the details of those numbers, uh, we did see the uh, income being quite strong at 0.4, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, spending quite strong at 0.4 while income was 0.3. So again, uh, the US consumer is is consuming, uh, but it's actually using savings uh, yeah. um, and, and credit cards. So how long, does, to, so to that's do it. how long does it go on for? So there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today that Americans can't stop spending five reasons why, uh, and not all of those reasons, but job security, higher savings, skepticism about the future, so buy now, in other words. And of course, there's a chunk of people who've still got low mortgage rates, who've got extra cash, and a new outlook on life. People want experiences because they've been locked down for a couple of years. But I mean, all of those, along with that difference between how much they're spending and how much they're earning, how long can it last for? And I guess so equity markets must be looking at that and thinking, well, not for long. And that's also yes. why company earnings uh, looking forwards are not so good. Yeah. So to, just to add on to that, I mean, one, when you look at the details of the performance of the equity market, I think it's really important to note how the banks have been performing, which is really, really bad. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, sold significantly. And again, uh, that in an environment where you have banks not doing well and you have an environment where yields are higher and you have an environment where there's this heightened concerns, then the credit side or the bank's uh, appetite for lending could also shrink. So uh, it's yet another sort of headwind that plays into, into this cautiousness. Um, um, now, in terms of the unknown unknowns, if you like, is uh, the market still trying to assess exactly how much of this excess savings the U.S. has. Um, if, if those numbers that have been suggested by even by the Fed uh, prove to be a too, um, uh, too small and in reality being a bit bigger, then the consumer can keep going for a bit longer. Uh, and then the other kind of key factor is that it's the labor market. You know, if the labor market remains resilient and, and people not only are employed but getting paid more, um, then that means the consumption can, can actually sustain the current pace for a bit longer. So uh, I think that the key will be to, to see those variables over, over coming months. But what about how this all plays into inflation? So core PCE on Friday, year on year, is still up there at 3.7%. Okay, it's down from 3.8% from the month before, but that was actually also revised down from 3.9%. Uh, and obviously that is a lot better than where we were in October, 5.3%. But is it coming down fast enough? And then we had the, the University of Michigan survey on Friday, had consumer expectations of inflation jumping from 3.2% year on year to 4.2%. So that is what the consumer is expecting. And I know what I'd do if I thought inflation was starting to rise again. I'd be out buying that fridge freezer before the price goes up. Uh, so that's got to be a concern, hasn't it? Certainly, it's got to be a concern. And and I think that sort of the, the, the major new news, if you like, was that one year inflation ahead expectations rising quite significantly. Um, and then when you look at the details, it's actually concerns around uh, gasoline prices, so fuel and, of course, it brings us back to that Middle East story that, you know, it, it favors the view that oil prices will remain elevated for quite some time. So, um, so again, that is the issue around, uh, around inflation. And as much as the Fed and Fed Chair Powell have talked about this idea that they will pause in November, um, I think the messaging coming from the FOMC this week will be very much along the lines that the job is not done and that the, the bias to hike is still very much there. 
Um, and then what happens to the data in particular to the labor market and, and those inflation numbers uh, between now and December will be crucial as to whether the, the Fed hikes again. So what does all this mean for yield curves? And we've got used to this whole idea of high for longer, but maybe now it's going to be even higher for longer or even higher for even longer. Uh, so presumably we're going to start to see moves at the uh, at the long end of the curve. Well, that, that was the theme of, of Friday, right? So we saw the, that, that sort of risk aversion, if you like, evident in the equity market, pushing front-end yields lower, uh, whilst at the same time, one factor driving the move up in yields in the back end was, was that big jump in oil prices. So inflation expectations will be important theme in terms of the, 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 the movements in U.S. Treasury yields. And of course, what the Fed does, uh, and that will be important uh, and will be driven by the data over the coming weeks. Well, before the Fed, I mean, it's the Bank of Japan. It's a difficult time for them. They're trying to control everything through yield curve controls. Uh, and will it keep working for them? I mean, we had the CPI number for Tokyo on Friday came in at 3.3% as the headline rate, which is the highest since April. The core number has gone from 2.5% to 2.7%. So uh, going the wrong way, what are they going to do tomorrow? Going the wrong way. And, and one of the, the surprises in, in terms of the, the big jump, if you like, on the, on the headline was that uh, those subsidies for, um, for energy prices to the households expired. And, um, and that places a view that it's not just a Tokyo story, that the national reading will show similar numbers as well. So, um, so what does it mean for, for the Bank of Japan? Well, the interesting thing is that a survey run by Bloomberg last week suggested that most economists expect no change to policy this week, including a yield curve control. Um, we we struggle a little bit with that view, and we, we sort of belong to the minority where we think that the Bank of Japan will have to do something. Um, we've got to remember that Governor Ueda, back in July, uh, mentioned the currency as being a concern, the volatility of the currency. Dollar-yen was trading around 140 at the time, uh, and now it's trading around, uh, well, obviously just testing those levels of, of 150. Um, at the same time, as you mentioned, those inflation numbers means that the, the, the bank will have to issue new forecasts showing an upgrade to inflation. Uh, and in our view, it will also not only show that the fiscal year for 2023 will show inflation well above 2%, but also in 2024 and, and 2025 will be pretty close to 2% too. So uh, from a, you know, bank uh, perspective in terms of those inflation outlooks, um, it, it will suggest, you know, that the bank is pretty close to to getting the job done in terms of lifting that inflation uh, around that two percent over a sustained period. So, uh, and then lastly, you know, politics matter for central banks. You know, independence of central banks has its limits, and and the, the pressure on the government in, in in Japan is quite significant in terms of being seen to do something about the the pressures of the cost of living. So. Um, and, and I will go one step further and, and, you know, the JGB market is stable, but it's stable because uh, the Bank of Japan is the only buyer in town. You know, the domestic uh, uh, investors in particular have been net sellers of JGBs this year. So overall, um, there are so many arguments that suggest that the bank should be doing something about it. And also, if they don't do something about it, then the risk is that dollar yen starts training towards 150, if not 160. So exacerbating what is already a big problem from an inflation perspective. So overall, our view is that they, they will they will do something, deliver a tweak to, to YCC. Um, but uh, yeah, 
all, all we will all know what happens tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we will indeed. And talking of inflation, uh, German CPI, uh, we also get German GDP. Handy to get them both together uh, today. And Australian retail sales as well. How confident are Aussie shoppers? But maybe we should look at the European numbers because we get the German CPI today. We get the uh, the Eurozone uh, tomorrow. So which way are they heading? Yeah, so those numbers will be important in particular because – you know, the ECB or the, the, the general feeling is that the ECB wants to basically has reached the peak in terms of the tightening policy and, and wants to take this approach of keeping it high for longer. Um, but if the numbers prove to be a bit stronger than expected, then it will challenge or increase the pressure on, on the bank to do something about fighting, you know, inflation. So, so it will be very important. And of course, the other one is, is the state of the economy. The G- German economy is seen as the engine of, of, of Europe. It has been struggling and, and uh, another sort of downward surprise there will be disappointing as well. Mm, all right. And uh, Aussie retail sales. So how confident are Aussie shoppers? Uh, are we in a similar situation to the US? Um, well, uh, our, our NAB economists expect a 0.4% month-on-month gain, uh, which you know would suggest that the, the consumer is is actually checking along uh, quite nicely. Um, um, perhaps not on a per capita basis, but overall, it's a consumption for, for the economy is still very supportive, and um, it will be yet another... Uh, foot for thought for the RBA as well. Uh, non-farm payrolls, of course, at the end of the week in the US. We also get jolts and ISM before that. Uh, we get China's PMIs. You've mentioned the FOMC, of course. You've also mentioned it is a big week for earnings. McDonald's before the open on, uh, on Monday in the US. Caterpillar before the open on Tuesday. Apple on Thursday. Uh, you know, the AI race, where are they in all of that? I mean, they've got Ajax, which is their AI engine, but, you know, but is it making money for them? That's going to be the question on Thursday, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, and again, it will give us a, some of them will give us a flavor, um, of how the consumer is, is looking and, and expectations of the consumer ahead. So, so that will be important. So Rishi Sunak, the UK prime minister, uh, is holding a summit this week on AI, uh, because he wants to, in his words, mitigating the risk of human extinction from AI should be a global priority. He said he's been watching too many Terminator movies, don't you think? I think, I mean, if Arnie Schwarzenegger is still alive at 120 with no visible signs of aging, then we know we've got problems, don't we? Uh, but hey, I don't yeah. know where all of this is heading, but uh, it's going to be an interesting sideline this week. Good to talk, Rodrigo. We'll catch you again very soon. Cheers, Phil. And that is the NAB morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I am back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.